Welcome to the Roadie Friday Podcast with your hosts, Darren Makins and Jose Escudero. Dude. What's up? Where are you at? Uh, I'm in St. Louis. Oh, that's oh, that's right. We did discuss that. So I'm like, there ain't shit in St. Louis, anyways. Yeah. <laughs> you can walk. To, you can only walk to the arch so many times. Yeah, it's just on the street too. So <laughs> been there, done that already. So. so, do you pronounce your name Jai? Yes. Okay, because I had a bo- uh, I had a college buddy of mine. Uh, uh, he, his name was also Jai and like when a, a lot of people would, like the professors the first day of class or whatever they would pronounce it as J and he would be like it's pronounced Jai it's like hi with a J yeah hi with a J that's the, uh, that's the key anything with a J I've learned to respond to I, I worked at Guitar Center over the phones and just I, they say Jason enough times I'll turn around yeah yeah I, I respond to Derek I respond to Daryl like whatever just fucking as long as you have it remotely close it's fine I say I've been Josie enough times also, some <laughs> Josie, fuck yeah, that's just I like that. Josie or Jose, Jose, uh, like, oh, have they ever called that to you, like, to your face? Like, do you not see the complexion, motherfucker? <laughs> oh, yeah, they, they have. Yeah, it's fuck. That's that's just great disrespect. I love it. Fuck yeah. Well, how are you guys doing, anyways? Balling out, dude. Fuck yeah, balling out. Yeah, Jose, are you uh, you're on the Alter Bridge Seven Dust thing, right? Yeah, I'll be I'll be on that. Are you pulling double duty? Uh no, I'm gonna be doing just Seven Dust. Oh, okay, nice. Yeah, yeah. Right now I'm with Alter Bridge, and then May I'll be doing Seven Dust. Okay, where I was wondering if you if you'd be double dicking it. Double dicking. No, nah, <laughs> no. Nah. It's uh, <laughs> it was it was up for. Uh, you know, consideration for a bid, but then, you know, we all knew it was, it was too much. Uh, yeah. It's just too many guitars, too many, uh, too much, just too much stuff to handle. And, uh, yeah, we, we ended up deciding that, uh, Tom Reardon's going to do Alter Bridge on that tour and I'll be doing Seven Dust. Sweet. Yeah. Hell yeah. Uh, yeah, I leave, I leave for, uh, I'll cut this part out, but I leave for my gig next week and we have like a week of rehearsals and I'm like, I'm in panic mode just because I'm having a hard time trying to figure out like, cause like if, if I forget something, I can just tell Amber, Hey, can you mail it to me at this next venue? But like, I don't. <laughs> yeah. The international stuff is always, yeah. Harrowing. But yeah. Um, so Jai, why don't you get us started? Uh, now that we're back into the program, uh, Jai, why don't you get us started, uh, letting us know how, letting our listeners know how you got your start as a guitar tech. Went to uh school at MI in Hollywood uh musicians institute for and i took the luthier program and uh i had some friends there that were kind of already in the industry and they were working jam nights in hollywood at lucky strike and it was it was just kind of a thing started by the bass player from quiet ride and his friends just get together and play covers they asked me if i could cover for him once or twice and i ended up taking over that gig then it moved to the whiskey a go-go and I just kind of, for a little while, I became the house guitar tech for the Whiskey A Go-Go. And uh, so, like, whenever, like, I worked for uh, Lynch Mob, Quiet Riot, flew out. My first fly-out gigs was with uh, Dee Snyder and just bands like that and local bands around L.A. And from there, I got a, I started getting calls from uh, the Dio uh, Hologram Tour, Dio Returns in Europe oh, was shit. my first, like, tour. Yeah, that was pretty stupid for, like, a 21-year-old to be. <laughs> first tour in a hologram. I mean, how do you how do you, how do you think you did on that tour? Like as a tech, like no problem or? I mean, the guitar player Craig Goldie, fucking love him. He incredible guy. Uh, the, he when it, when I first came in, everybody was obviously like, "Wait, you're fucking how old?" <laughs> and like, and they were like, "All right, this you're just you seem like a big enough guy. Just carry shit around." But um, once I like got to talking to everybody, and I, at the time I was working at Eric's Guitar Shop in L.A., which has been there for like 30 plus years. And Eric is one of the best luthiers slash repair guys in the country. And I've been learning from him. So once they kind of learned and they let me just really 
kind of do my thing on the instruments and everything. And they were a lot happier for it, but I was just so green to touring that like uh, the monitor guy and the front of house guy were talking about the truck pack and, you know, load in, load out, things like that. And I was like, just doesn't have strings on it. I don't know. <laughs> but, that, that was all brand new. Uh, but from there, uh, I went to, I got called in to do a tour with the Butcher Babies. They were great. And then um, Animals as Leaders was uh, the next big one. And that yeah. uh, took us into COVID. Yeah, they were, they were incredible. Some really solid gigs there. Um, so basically, like how you got into it is you were, you, you were just given an offer and you were like, yeah, fuck it. Let's go. Absolutely. Yeah, no, like, like I said, the first flyout was with D Snyder and yeah, just like, do you want to go to Miami for a weekend and uh, do a gig with D Snyder? And I was, yes, I mean, yeah, 100%. <laughs> and that kind of just kept going. And uh, everybody in that camp was awesome. And they, they, they taught me a lot. And yeah, it's kind of escalated from there. Fuck yeah, that's so sick. Um, and who, who are you working for right now? Just so the listeners can get a base on it. Right now, my, uh, my main gig uh, is uh, Gojira. Gojira, fuck yeah. Because uh, the, the the number one question that I had is uh, in terms of that gig in particular is how the fuck do they sound so heavy? Uh, I, they drop to uh, to drop D, correct? What's their tuning? Uh, D standard and drop C, and for uh, stuff off the way of all flesh, uh, C minor. So how do they sound so heavy with relatively higher tunings? They are insanely tight. Yeah, when they play is the main thing mario is just such a monster and everybody's locked in so well something that i've noticed about them is that the uh the guitars actually kind of drag a little bit and the drums kind of take like the the lead as far as everything goes it's kind of like a reverse metallic situation yeah yeah Yeah. joe and uh and christian really just lean into the groove and into the pocket uh, and it's incredibly heavy. Also, they use whammy pedals all the time. Oh yeah, for uh, sure. they, they they use the uh, octave blend, uh, octave low and octave high, especially yeah. the octave low a lot. And they call that the fatso setting because it just really beefs the shit out of your tone. And uh, yeah, it's the but yeah, mostly it's just how how tight and uh, in tune they are with each other. That's so sick. That's sick. I actually just I actually just got a uh, Joe Duplanier Charvel a few weeks ago. Hell yeah, dude! Um, yeah, yeah, I loved it. It's the it's the natural, the one with the natural finish and the black pit guard. Yeah, those. Yeah, they're they're great. The ones uh, he has, some of his custom shops, they're just like a slab of mahogany, and they're so fucking heavy. It's insane. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's a great game. The guys are awesome, and uh, the crew. Some of the guys have been with them for ten plus years. So really, nice. it's uh, they're really dedicated and to making it the best possible show and gig possible. Hell yeah! So they're not—they're not the type of crew that really turns over, has a lot of turnover in their crew members. No, no. The only reason I got in is because uh, the stage right guy before uh, was in Australia and tour in 2021. Australia was still locked down, so they mm. needed somebody to fill in. Uh, I did the gig; it was a ton of fun. And then um, they sent me over to, to Ghost because they're on the same management, and I was just going to do Ghost. But then he got another gig and decided to stay down there. And Gojira called me and asked to have me back. And I was like, oh, fuck yeah. Let's go to Of course. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, hell yeah. And I, I don't know if you remember me, but I met you for like five minutes at Blue Ridge. Uh, I, was, I, was walk, I was basically walking around with Jose because he, he was showing me Seven Dust's setup. Uh, and then I think you were filling in for him for a day to remember for a bunch of dates. Yes, I do recall. Okay, yeah. I, they look very familiar. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Got it. <laughs> yeah, I've... I've I've been told I have one of those faces that you don't forget, which is why, which is why this podcast is an audio only format. (laughs) (laughs) Every, everywhere I go, especially if it's like South America, like, were you here with I'm like white guy with a beard, dude. I'm so it's, there's, it's, it's easy to blend in. (laughs) Very, very hot look right now. I say that so much. It's just like, like basically most, most roadies are just white guys with beards. And so it's just always, yeah. It, it's uh, oh, uh, what what did he look like? Oh, a white guy with a beard, probably wearing a hat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Jose, there was a driver in uh, in Europe that looked exactly like Ozzy, the drum tech from uh, Data. Remember, just shaved head, beard. Oh, like for the first two weeks, I'd just be like, "What the fuck?" Oh yeah, it's Lars. Okay, uh, yeah. 
Sometimes you lock that look down. It's just, it works. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Uh, oh man, I miss, I miss Ozzy. <laughs> mm-hmm. Ozzy's a good guy. He's so, he's, I love him so much. He's great. He's making maple syrup. He's killing yeah. it. Awesome. <laughs> Sorry, what? <laughs> yeah, he makes maple syrup in upstate New York. That's incredible. Yeah, he's, he's a killer dude. He did masses on for a long time, and now he's with the data. Remember, he's he's a he's a choice choice guy. Now I want to make maple syrup. It's sick. <laughs> <laughs> so back to like uh, basically the reason that I asked was like they the instant you you turn on a, a Gojira song, just it's it's undeniably them. You know the 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 uh, especially like. For years, the 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 mentality, I guess, has been to have like very high gain guitars, and I guess that's where, or, or like the gain knob all the way up to like seven or something like that, and that's probably mm-hmm. like symptom of post Pantera. But like the the first thing that I recognized with Gojira was that the tone, the 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 gain knob in particular, and it's just like essentially it's just the saturation that's going to the tubes. But like for the people that don't play guitar or anything like that, but just the fact that. It's it, it it doesn't to to the end user it doesn't sound like at least to me it doesn't sound like it's very very high gain which is counterintuitive I guess to what heavy metal would be so it's just to to have the guitars at such a low gain but still sound that heavy is just to me is fucking bonkers and it it, it just uh, I, I'm a huge Gojira fan by the way I own uh, I have a I, I have a, a a record set aside uh, I think it's magma but I have a record set aside at work that I'm just like I'm gonna buy this and I just have to fucking like actually do it but the the when my non-touring job I work for a record label and we distribute for other labels and we just have like uh, we have a I, I I saw that we had some Gojira records coming in and I'm like taking one of those thank you <laughs> yeah I do the same thing at the merch booth uh, <laughs> uh joe especially he's got a real ear for those kind of things he has his own studio in new york silver cord and you walk in it's just like amp city he's got a huge setup and if you listen on the records especially the most recent one the the range and tones that he uses is really wild obviously live they stick to the uh the evhs um uh but the uh the stage left guitar tech petter uh during certain songs, he's working the gain knobs going up and down, especially on like uh, the chant. Whoa. Uh, he's going from like almost nothing to, you know, just real chunky fuzz stuff. And he's, he's really working it. Christian, my guy is a little bit more, a uh, little more chill and simple, but I'm still working drives and, you know, uh, mid boost, mid drops, treble boost presence, everything like that throughout the show to cater every song to different tones to, uh, for, for them to, you know, uh, match the sound in their head see that's that's so fascinating to me just because like when you said that they're doing uh using evhs that means that tells me that they're using real amps live uh as my assumption correct yeah absolutely uh, it's, uh when i first joined in we were running three amps all at once one was going to uh the stage one was going to an iso box and uh, one was running as a uh, backup, and then we had a torpedo as another backup. Uh, but now uh, we have we got some new uh, gear uh, where we can just run one uh, head that goes to the stage and to the ISO box and to the torpedo, everything uh, that has all the effects running through it. So they have a consistent sound throughout. But yeah, it's all it's all real tube amps, real everything. The only time, uh, well, since I've been working with them since um, September twenty one. As uh, we used uh, quad cortexes in South America and a little bit in uh, Japan and Australia, just because we couldn't get uh, EVHs where we were. And the quad cortex, uh, obviously, Joe has the Gojira plugin that sounds fantastic, but they always prefer to use real amps. Okay. Yeah, that's uh, to me, that's really interesting just because, like, they have you guys like riding gain knobs and scooping stuff out. Um, Honestly, like that would be so much easier with running a digital rig. You know, you could just make those patch changes real quick. And, you know, all it is is just a flick of a, you know, flick of an ankle more or less. And you can get whatever sound you want to. And it's it essentially just becomes a smorgasbord of sounds right at your feet. But just the fact that they're keeping it. uh, I hate using this term, but keeping it old school, I guess, in terms of perfecting the specific tone to uh, uh, even a section of a song. That's that's wild to me and i'm not I'm, yeah. I'm not trying to say that to like suggest that they that they're like 
behind on the times or anything. It's just it's it's fascinating to me that that they haven't moved into using digital digital rigs to I guess emulate the real amp sounds and just make it overall easier. Yeah. Yeah. The uh we we have the entire show ready to go on the quad cortex. Just in case like the entire set list before yeah before yeah before the tour I me me and the uh, and Petter go in and make sure everything's all set and ready to go. And after using them in uh, in uh, out of country, I was like, "This is pretty fucking good, pretty easy for me." <laughs> I was like kind of pushing it a little bit, but then I I sat down with the monitor guy uh, with my ears in and was like a being direct back and forth, a b seeing in between uh, the quad, the two nose torpedo, and the uh, ISO cab that we were using with the live amp, and the the quad is so close, but. God damn it, this is not just that little thing. Yeah, that's, I've actually, uh, I was of the same mindset forever, uh, just digital all the way. It's just so much easier to travel with, so consistent and safe too, because like, you you know, you know, like dangers of breaking tubes and not having Mm -hmm. to replace tubes and stuff. But uh, once I started touring with Alter Bridge, seeing like all like the amps and stuff and yeah, one is like, the usually like the guy you know the guys they have an ear for it too like they can tell and that's like a lot of it that's the main thing is like whoever's playing the guitar can tell and whether the crowd can or not like the guys can yeah it just throws them off if if it it sounds that much happier then yeah that's that's how much better it's gonna be yeah and it's like you'll you'll switch them into like a digital rig and all of a sudden they lose like all joy in in playing it like because it just sounds that much different to them yeah, uh, and just yeah, especially after working with uh, with animals leaders, like you said, I was like digital all the way, dude. Let's go! And then even fucking Tosin got a full analog rig, and I was like, "What the fuck, dude!" <laughs> like, like the moment I started touring with him, Hob was still using Axe FX three, and Tosin went over to a, this massive pedal board that he had built by himself. Yeah, and- I remember seeing that board. You might have teched a show they did in uh, in Austin at. Mohawk. Because uh, that was that was where when he started playing analog. Possibly. I know we started in San Antonio on that tour at the Aztec. Okay. Might, might hit Mohawk right after. Yeah, because I, I definitely uh, I can't remember who else was on that tour. The one I did was uh, with the contortionist. Okay, then yeah, I was there. Yeah, then that's Sick, the dude. one. Yeah, I was there. <laughs> nice. Yeah, no, that it sounded amazing, and especially like I could like an AB right away on stage with the with Hobbs Axe Effects and the, the Morgan analog amp. Yeah, and like, God damn it, if it wasn't just that little that little bit. <laughs> but, yeah, but the pedal board uh, because it, like he had just put it together, uh, like kind of not every other show, but every every once in a while it would just go down. And uh, I would just lose all sound. And it happened at Red Rocks oh, of all places. No. And I just, there's a video you can see. And I just, it's just me running on stage and like diving and Fonzie slapping the pedal board. And then it comes back on <laughs> and then just running off. Cause that's all it was. Cause you know, it's <laughs> 38 like mini cables in it. And I, you know, it's going through everyone. So I just, if you just Fonzie it, usually it would come back. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. Yeah. Did you go a afterwards? Uh, no, I was I was checking myself for shit in my pants. No, that yeah yeah, uh, yeah that's what that's what I figured. <laughs> Make sure you've started breathing again and your jaws unclenched. You know. <laughs> yeah, because I like I had, I had a friend visiting me who lived in Colorado and she was side stage with me. It was the first time I'm doing like a oh this is fucking sick kind of thing. And then I look over and Tosin just ah, like fuck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, I, I it's it's so hard for because I know I I know exactly how you felt in that moment because I've experienced that moment as well. But like, it's so hard to describe to somebody that feeling, like just just mm. like like the moment that something goes wrong during a show, like whether it's your fault or whether you're not, it's not your fault. Like it's all this in my experience, it's been the same feeling, and so like just it's hard for me to describe just like the moment that your, your stomach sinks and you're like, Oh shit. And then you got to go into that mode and, you know, fix whatever the fuck's going on. Yeah. It's a, I think it's, it's such an interesting feeling because like no matter how much you 
know the rig, when something goes wrong and that moment that you realize something's going wrong, you don't know what's going on. Oh, and it's like, oh, it just, all knowledge <laughs> just leaves your brain completely. Yeah, like, it's like for like those, those first few seconds, it's like, oh shit, something's wrong. Like what's happening? Like, and your mind just starts going like, um, am I even going to be able to fix this? Like before you even start, it's like, it all happens yeah. so fast. 100%. Yeah, it's, but it's, an, it's such an interesting feeling. The, the, yeah. the one thing that I, the, the, the one specific example that I can give of that is, I think I talked about this a little bit the fir- in the first episode is when Joe from Ice Nine Kills, his base rig was literally the simplest fucking thing on the planet. It was receiver, um, I'm sorry, transmitter, receiver. They took the XLR out and used a dongle to, to um, change the audio signal to a quarter inch. So then the quarter inch went into the uh, tuner, and then it was just, uh, after the tuner, it was just a... Uh, dark glass. Dark glass atom, thank you. Dark ass, as I call it. Mm. And at the beginning of the, like, when I was doing my line checks, signal, 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 you know, sounded fucking sweet. And then the instant I hand the bass to him, he just looks at me and he goes, dude, I got nothing. And like, he used to fuck with me so much. Like the last episode I talked about the fact, or it might've been the last episode, two episodes ago, something like that, uh, that he used to hide his bases on, on stage on me. So instead of handing it to me at the end of the set, he would just go and hide, hide it somewhere. And I'd have to go and find it after they were done playing. And Nice. And so, oh yeah, it was hilarious. But um, and so like he was just uh, he was playing enough. He's like, I've got nothing, and I'm like, you're fucking with me right now. And he's like, nothing. So then I go in over to the volume knob because I I literally thought he was fucking with me, and he just turned down the volume knob. So I turned it all the way up, and yeah, nothing. So then like I had to go and figure it out, and the the dongle out. It was literally just a quarter inch out, and I was like, you know what? I don't want to fucking. I don't want to figure this whole thing out right now. So I'm just going to unplug it and I'm going to take the quarter inch out from that transmitter and plug it into, I don't, I, I literally don't know why they have it set up like that. I didn't work on the rig at all. Uh, aside from mm-hmm. setting it up and tearing it down every day. So I just took the quarter inch and just plugged that into the, uh, into the tuner. And as soon as that happened, I got tone. And so, you know, they play the show, all that stuff, all that good stuff, pack up next show. Uh, as we're setting up for the day, I'm going through and I'm trying to figure out, okay, what happened last night? So I unplugged my quarter inch and then plugged in the XLR and it was just, it was sound. It was fine. I don't know what happened. Yeah. I, I, I wish, I still don't know. Like I couldn't figure it out. I don't know, but I got it to work that night. And you know, that's, I just, I, 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 yeah. I don't know. <laughs> no shit, yeah. shit. Shit's weird sometimes. Uh, when we were in Europe, uh, uh, Mark, he's been playing this new amp and we've been, it has a MIDI, uh, seven pin MIDI cable down to, uh, three switch, uh, a foot switch with three buttons on it. And mm-hmm. every night, a different set of the lights on the switch would work, like would stop working. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. And it was just, yeah. So like, it'd be like channel, uh, one was red or oh no, blue. And then channel two is yellow, channel three is red. And yeah, like every night, like one of those three lights would just not work. And then the next day, it'd be a different one that's not working. And then the amp would work fine, uh, but the lights would just just like weird as fuck. And, right? and this was the prototype one, right? Yeah, that was a that was a prototype. So then, there's not even a manual that you can look up online. Nope, <laughs> <laughs> nothing. <laughs> yeah, no. When I when I first uh, got to rehearsals for the first tour I did with Gojira. Uh, I cracked open the rig and like everything was kind of disassembled. It was the last thing they did. Uh, they kind of, took a bunch of stuff out. So I had to put it, put stuff together and the way that they had it, uh, set up, uh, there was an out, uh, quarter inch out for the ISO box, uh, out for, here we go with some nerd uh, shit. Yeah. Out for the live cab out for the backup and uh all on a all on a plate in the back and then xlrs and everything everything was all pretty well labeled and but just you get into that situation you have the pressure and uh i, I was just like putting it together i had all right this should be this should have sound nothing shit and i was just going it over and over in my head like what what is it what is it what is it and then the outs on the back i thought that it was that was for signal going into the rig that was a uh, guitar signal going out for the front of the amps. Oh. So each amp was a thing. And I was like, 
Oh, you're you're dumb. Shit, you're dumb. So, oh, but <laughs> that happens to me all the time. Is just like you know, uh, I don't want to say all the time, but just like as you guys know, uh, working in a job like this, like minor fuck ups will happen, and it's it sometimes it's like, oh, Darren, you goddamn idiot! Like it's it's like you know whether you plug something in uh in into an out or something like that um but like does that fuck up your whole day or your confidence or something if like you know you just like make a make a stupid mistake like so one of the examples that i can give you is i was guitar teching for um for non-point jose you'll know exactly what i'm talking about rashid's blue guitar has two outputs it has an acoustic. Mm-hmm. It has uh, an acoustic simulator, and it has just like your 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 straight up. Well, it has more than two outputs, but it has two quarter inch outputs. One was just like a yeah. straight up electric output, and then the other one was like an acoustic simulator. And for like the first probably week of one of the tours that I did with them, I was plugging it into the acoustic uh, output, <laughs> and yeah. And like I didn't notice, and like nobody, I didn't notice until like Rashid pointed it out to me. He was like, "Hey, do you notice that you're plugging this into the wrong one?" And I'm like, "Well, I don't even know why there's fucking two in the first place." And so, just to train myself, I just put a piece of gaff tape over the one that I do not plug it into. Yeah, that's something I learned early is just labeling, labeling, labeling. Yeah, like on uh, on the animals one, the the Morgan uh, amp that he had had a low input and a high. Uh, input on the front of the amp and one time I actually plugged it into the low and Tosin started playing he was like sounds like shit what's going on <laughs> and I was like uh, yeah. and then he just looked at the amp and he just went oh god <laughs> yeah. and I was like alright I'll never make that mistake again totally fine I just learned my lesson and then the next day I did the exact same fucking thing I was like Captain <laughs> <Dark. laughs> just, just, el- just eliminate the issue take it away if you're making a loom or something, blue to blue, red to red, the 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 ghost monitor tech uh, really hammered that home for me. He was he used to do Slayer and Manson. He was he was great. Kogel Matt Kogel was fucking amazing. Uh, he really like showed me like savvy times. Like all right, if you're gonna be doing shit like this at this level, just pretend that you are as hungover as you've ever been in your life and times it by ten, and then. Like you're just as dumb as you're ever going to be. Make sure that you can still do this job. Oh, for sure. You know, with half your brain in. And I was just like that. You know what? That solid. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, probably the first. Like, especially if I'm coming in after somebody else and I'm taking over for somebody else. Uh, the probably the first week of a tour, what I do is I complete. I don't want to say I completely change it, but I take the setup that they have and I take it and I won't like. I won't write on permanent marker or anything like that, but I'll just take like a piece of gaff tape and like put it all over their gear and just make notes for myself. So that way, if there is the day where I wake up in my bunk and I'm just like, you know, after, after, after a roadie Saturday and I just go, Oh no, am I still drunk? And and that I can still do my job on those types of days. And that happened in Kentucky. I woke up and I was like, it was a night. It was after a night out with ice nine kills drummer, Patrick. And I'm just like, oh no! It's just like you still mm-hmm. feel wavy from the night before. I, I, I steal uh, e tape from Monitor World all the time. One hundred percent. I have every color possible. Every so it's like I got orange to orange, purple to purple, you know, brown to brown, just to make shit easier. Yeah, hell yeah! And 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 a lot of the, I, I find that a lot of the musicians are open. You know, hey man, whatever you have to do to make your job easier. They 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 fully as long as your job is done and it's done correctly and you're not breaking shit. Most of the time they'll support, you know, you trying to make your job easier. So I guess what I was trying to say was the first week of tour is me just trying to f- a figure out the rig because I've ne- I've I've been in a lot of situations where like I f- I'm flown in the first day of tour and I don't have the ability to do any pre-production so i'm just flying i'm just flying in and i have to figure it the fuck out and we have a show tonight so it it, it, a lot of the situations that i've been in it's just like figure this you have to figure this out now and you know just make it as easy on yourself as you possibly can yeah absolutely yeah there's I've, i've had a bunch of those where it's just luckily usually i'll have you know now uh lucky we can have a like a zoom call or people can take pictures and 
I can call him over the phone, like and like Jose showing me the data. Remember Ray at Blue Ridge, you know, little things like that. Oh, yeah. Just uh, so you're not completely blind, but yeah, sometimes you go in, it's just like, what the, what, why, why are you doing <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was kind of like my situation going into my first tour with Alter Bridge. Uh, I did have a phone call with uh, Tim, uh, their manager who built the rig, but yeah, that like, it's, you know, it's the amp was the only one in existence, you know, <laughs> and there's no, there's no markings on, you know, no markings anywhere. No one's touched it. So there's no, no labeling. So yeah, day one's just go in, learn where all the cables go, label everything. That way you can just repeat just on autopilot. Just. Yeah. Once you got it down, Pat figured, you know, just mark it up and then, yeah, focus on other things. I had a thought and it escaped me. This happens like once an episode where I have a question, but then I want to like let everybody finish what they're saying. And then as soon as they're done, I'm just like, uh, yeah. So airplane <laughs> peanuts, right? That's the importance of, uh, of pre-production. Like there's, when I first started teching and, and like, you know, they would bring me out for pre-production. I swear to God, my first thought was, that's as dumb as hell. I don't need to go to pre-production fucking what am I going to sit there while they rehearse the songs? Like, but then like it, like day one, it hit me, especially like on, on, on the first day of tour and they bring out the paddles, uh, like the wireless paddles and my dumbass plugs them into the wrong one. And so like they're yeah. walking around stage trying to figure out why their signal keeps cutting out. <laughs> this happened at one show. Uh, it was the first show they were walking around trying to figure out why their signals keep cutting out. And so then like Rashid finally takes a look at it and he goes, he just unplugs one and switches them out and then shoots me a shot. Like, I'm like, yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. That's uh, yeah. The, because your, it was like the first uh, tour I did where like, they really needed pre-production with like everybody there. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I was like, all right, so I'm just going to like, what, plug some amps in and just watch the fucking lighting nerds do their shit. But I had my head in the ass of that rig for a day and a half, like just getting acquainted and getting everything down and knowing that I could take it apart and put it back together with no problems whatsoever. And, um, and, and that, since I said lighting nerds and you guys didn't laugh, working with Gojira actually gave me so much fucking respect for lighting guys. Holy shit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they are a Absolutely. wild bunch of people. Yeah, that's it's the LD, being an LD and the, the people that do photography, the, those are the two areas that I have literally zero experience. I've run monitors, I've run front of house, and I wouldn't consider myself competent enough in those areas to consider myself a front of house guy or a monitor guy. But it's like shit where I've mm -hmm. like, I've done it in a local club around Philadelphia. And those are the two areas that I'm just like, I haven't done shit in either one of those areas at all. And I had another thought mm -hmm. and it just got away from me again. What were we just talking about? <laughs> uh, Pre-production, Lampies. Uh, <laughs> oh my God. This is, this, yeah. forgive me. It's, it's been a long day. Um, You're good. No, it's just, it's just the time and the dedication that goes into that kind of stuff. Like from designing it, uh, you know, actually making it feasible and then putting it on the ground and in the air. Like it's, I was just like, oh, that's, yeah. it's one of those things you don't really think about when you go to a show just as a concert goer, then you see it happening and it's just like, holy shit. Yeah. And, and they, they have an elaborate one. Like Gojira like has some of the coolest light shows out there. Yeah. Pete Rage is a, he's a mad genius. He, he does a lot. <laughs> he's fucking awesome. I was about to say, that's not a Mongle built rig, was it? No, no, Pete Carey, Pete Rage. Okay. So I, know, I know I know Alex like basically builds rigs and then just sends them off for like for other people to go you know here here you go that's your rig yeah 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 he's uh he I did a day with day to remember with him he he was also another mad genius yeah, yeah. He's, he's nuts <laughs> yeah Pete, Pete Carey from uh nuts to tits is, is all is all in on it he could he could go in there and build it on the floor and he could design it. You can do everything. You could run the show. It's great. And I might add, uh, no time code, no click, uh, for most of the stuff he's running all figures. Nice. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's wild. So that's interesting. Do you know why? Like that's kind of, that's kind of wild. <laughs> um, cause they only use click for a few songs. Ah, uh, okay. So uh, he doesn't know what tempo is going to be come show yeah, time. They're, they're pretty damn consistent. Yeah. uh every night but you never know and they you know so they're they're it's the live rock and roll show 
So he keeps it like that. And, and uh, for the uh, like the super syncopated parts that we had last tour on a song, uh, they went from love off of the first album into a song, like the end of a song called Remembrance uh, off the link. That was very syncopated, mashuggy kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And he did that click. So every night you'd see him in front of house, just <laughs> like, <laughs> nice. just rocking the fuck out. And, that's uh, we, that's interesting because they do like pyro and stuff too. Like, yep, all live clicks. <laughs> nice. <laughs> we we need to get that guy on this <laughs> on the podcast. Oh, dude, yeah, people would be fucking awesome. He's great. Dude, there's uh, we we have such a pipeline of like there's there's so many people that have reached out to me that want to come on, and it's just like okay, we'll do this, and then uh, and Jose and I have our own ideas as to like you know different topics that we want to talk about and people that we want to bring on. So it's it's just like okay, we'll bring you like kick the can down the road. We'll definitely have you on here, but like it's yeah, yeah. I joke I jokingly said to Jose on Instagram one day, it's like I just <laughs> we were talking about something different. And I, I said something, and I was like, oh, by the way, yes, I'd love to be on your podcast. Then <laughs> he was like, yeah, baby, I'm going to ask you, don't worry. I was like, I was fucking joking, but all right, I'll do it. <laughs> yeah, Jai bullied me into getting on the podcast. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> Results, baby. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it got the job done. Here we are. Yeah, exactly. So you're putting out a book. Tell me about your new book. No, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> Dude, th- I was like, oh, wait, what? No, like a book? No, no. <laughs> there will be a certain point on, on this show where like we'll actually start to get publicists and like people that are actually starting to push something that'll start to reach out to us. And like I've had authors, my last podcast, I've had authors, I've had people that are like, uh, you know, just just pushing different things. And so like the, there'll be like publicists that reach out and say, uh, and they'll do like pitches essentially, but we're still in the beginning of the show. So it's still at the point where I'm like having to like hit up homies and stuff like that. Like, yo, I got this topic in mind. I think you would be a per- the perfect person to have on for this. What do you think? And it's, it's most of the time it's been like, fuck yeah. Like let's, let's, let's go ahead and do this. So what'd you do during the pandemic to keep like, that's, that's something that I find really interesting in like, and how people, you know, what people did essentially, because I'm, I'm open and honest about it. I did Instacart to keep my, to keep my bills paid during, during the pandemic. But like, what did you do? I invested heavily in Evan Williams stock. Uh, no returns. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, that sounds right. I'm pretty sure I kept the liquor store across from my girlfriend's place open the entire time. Oh, fuck yeah. Uh, but uh, it, no, that was just like, yeah, the first month, month and a half because i was in rehearsals with animals to do the uh dance gavin dance animals leaders veil of mine tour i was on my way to the palladium in hollywood to start the tour when i got the call that uh the entire thing had been canceled and i had just quit my job at center staging uh backline in uh in the valley in la yeah i walked i walked in there that day, I was like, yeah, the tour's canceled. Like, oh, you can come back here anytime, man. We love you. It's all good. Two days later, everyone in the company was laid off. And uh, God. yeah, I had, uh, I had a tour with Between the Barry and Me booked right after uh, the Animals one. So it was the first time I had like a plan plan for what I was going to do. So I was, just, I was just pretty shot for a while. But uh, luckily, I helped a friend uh, that came into Eric's guitar shop and I worked there a bunch, a uh, guitar player named Prashant Aswani. He's an incredible, incredible guitar player. I helped him move a bunch of stuff from L.A. to San Francisco just, you know, to help out. And he said that ba- his friends at Bogner, because he's really tight with Reinhold, they needed somebody to come in and kind of help out. So I got a gig working at Bogner Amps during uh, most of the pandemic. And then I was working there when I got the call from... Uh, Taylor Gojira. Uh, actually, I got in the same day, I got a call from Gojira and a call from Lamb of God. Uh, but Lamb of God needed me in Boise in 36 hours. And Gojira had like a couple weeks of uh, space mm-hmm. for me to you know, not quit like an asshole. But yeah. Okay. So you did the more professional thing. I, I, was, I, was, I was very, very, very lucky. I was very close to going back to doing Uber, which I did years ago. Yeah, I don't. I don't blame you. I don't. I don't like. I, I'm thankful for for what uh, Instacart gave me in in the time that you know because it wasn't hard work at all. It was just fucking going and going around doing grocery shopping and dropping off groceries on people's front porches. Like, 
I can't think of an yeah. I can't think of an easier job. But you know, once it was time to get back to work, I was super happy to get back to work. Oh yeah, it was yeah, it was it was actually the the first time I ever got paid to play guitar because a lot of the, a lot of what it was was testing out the amps. But even like doing a regular nine to five kind of thing, even though it wasn't really that regular, I could kind of just like show up before ten, and as long as I got my work done, it was all good. But I was still like kind of itching for uh, you know have that that special kind of autism that makes touring a viable uh, job. So I was still getting that itch. And then, yeah, I got the call and I was like, let's, let's go. Yeah. I feel that like when I, when my first tour back from COVID was seven dust and yeah, that was like, Hey, we need a guy immediately. Can you like get on a plane like tomorrow morning? And I was like, well, I've got a show tomorrow night, but, I'll go, I'll go to the airport right after the show or the next morning is all right. All right, cool. Like, so like, so yeah, it was like two days later, I was on a plane. I I hadn't even, not only had I not quit the day job that I had at the time, I, I also didn't even tell them I was going. So I just took off. (laughs) That's great. Oh yeah. And then, yeah. And then a month later, it's like, Hey, so uh, you don't seem to be getting any work done. And I was like, Oh yeah, I'm, I've been on tour for the last like three and a half weeks. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Consider this my two weeks notice. <laughs> yeah. 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 It was a, it was a very, very weird time. I think I, I did one gig with uh, animals. They did a live, stream. a live stream show and I did one thing with bad wolves back when Tommy was still in the band. So that was interesting, but obviously yeah. doc and everybody else are amazing, amazing homies. It was fun. Cause it was like a Patreon video shoot. Mm-hmm. So I was, I was essentially just a runner the entire day. I was just like, we need more fog machine juice. I'm like, Oh, there's a place down in Burbank. We're like, you want to, you want to go? I'm like, all right. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll go get it. <laughs> yeah. It's like, Oh, you have fancy guitar players. You smoke. All right. But yeah, it was, uh, it, yeah, it was, it was a weird time. But the guys at Bogner were great to me, and uh, I, I wish I could have given them more notice uh, of, get, of leaving, but they understood, and uh, yeah, it was great. Yeah, you do what you got to do. Um, yeah, absolutely. Having having a good gig like that that still lets you tour at home is that's the uh, that's the dream. That's that's what uh, that's what everyone's looking for. <laughs> One of my jobs, the, the the job that I work now, it's a record label. It's outside of Philadelphia. We're always looking for people. So if if anybody's like looking for a job where they can come home, like come back for a week, week work there, and then go back out, like it's it's a fucking it's a it's a rad gig, and I I personally like it just because then it it allows me to be more selective with the gigs that I want, and I I can pick the quality gigs as opposed to like fuck I don't want to do this, but my bills won't get paid if I don't. So I guess I have to like, yeah, you saw a bitch move to Austin in two days. <laughs> We'd love to go to the East coast. <laughs> oh, you're going to, you're moving to Austin. Yeah. Oh shit. Aren't you Austin? Well, my stuff's in storage there. <laughs> uh, so, I, so I go, so I go often, but yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we, we've, we've, we've said on this, uh, a, a podcast that, that Jose is, uh, functionally homeless as we like to call it. Hey, I was functionally homeless for it, most of last year as uh, during the pandemic, I had, I, li- I used to live in a house with like five other people, but then pandemic started and one of a, a couple of them were like, not really believing in it. And mm-hmm. so they were like in Mexico partying and coming back without isolating and shit. So I was like, all right. So I just had to stay with, uh, with my ex and I ended up bubbling with her and giving my, my room to a friend of mine. And I, and so I just tore, I started touring so much. I just gave him the room full time and put my shit in storage and uh, was functionally homeless until I met uh, my girl in Houston uh, at a show. And, uh, and yeah, that we hit it off pretty much immediately. And I've just been staying here. Now we're moving to Austin. <laughs> Hell yeah. Nice. Yeah. Austin. Austin's a cool town. Yeah. I got a lot of homies down there. It's uh, it's going to be a good time. <laughs> So just just to pivot this a little bit, uh, because this is the second episode where all of us are guitar techs right now. Anyways, the last episode had had our boy Tank on. If you got a gig today and you only had enough time to grab five items and that's it, like five items for your work box, that's all you have time to grab. What are you grabbing? Okay, 
So the work box doesn't count. That's one thing. Okay. God damn it. You fucking rules. Okay. The work <laughs> you, you have to have, you have to have something to carry it in. So I will allow the work box for this. So that doesn't count. Okay. Beautiful. That's a good workspace can really just destroy your balls. If you don't have one, right. you know, doing three strings on your knees makes me cry. <laughs> um, uh, I would say tuner, uh, string winder, string cutter, gorgomite, polish, and then I can just find paper towels around. Okay, interesting. There's, I mean, like, uh, wait, can I, can I, like, include? Can I, can I say, like, yeah, there's, yeah, not, there's no adjustment tools in there. Uh, can I say, like, the, the Music Nomad like adjustment kit? The sure, well, the trust rod one. We'll call that. Cutter? We'll call that one. Okay, then sub out the. Uh, so about the string winder because I, you know, as much as I hate it, I can do it with my fingers. But yeah, okay, yeah, because yeah. uh, yeah, you don't know what kind of guitar you're going to get. Sometimes you need a string cutter. It can also be functionally used for other things. Uh, if the guitar looks like shit when you hand it to somebody, that instantly puts a bad taste in their mouth. And yeah, it's got to play well. So yeah, I guess that, that'll do it. Yeah, for yeah, sure. that's a, that's a pretty complete. Yeah, and uh, that music nomad kid, the one in the little black box that has like all this different sized allen wrenches for the different truss rods is is pretty cool yeah and it has a screwdriver in there too yeah yeah and the the yeah there's there's three of them in there uh because the the ones that you would use to adjust like a gibson or a prs truss rod has a little phillips head screwdriver on the on the other end little little sugar spoon ones yeah yeah I've spoiled myself with like uh Stu Mac and music nomad kits and stuff like that. And I still find myself something like, cause I, I got so used to working in a shop when I worked at Eric's a while ago that I'm just like, I just look around. And I'm like, I don't, what do you mean? I don't have a six sixteenth nut driver. That's fucking stupid. <laughs> like I was like, like what do you, you don't have a six millimeter. No. Fuck. All right. I guess you're an idiot. All right. Fuck. <laughs> I actually just got my music nomad replenishment today with like string fuel and uh I'm doing I'm doing guitar I'm doing I'm doing stage left guitar player and drums for this for this one. So I got uh if you want me to run down everything that I got today, I got the detailer, I got drum detailer, I've got hardware cleaner, string fuel. I've been curious about the seven and one tool, so I bought that and I'm gonna give that a try. At, oh the the octopus? Yeah, 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 the octopus. Yeah, dude, that was my first one ever. It's a life changer. Is it? Yeah, it's it's because it's yeah, it's uh, you can tighten like anything on the guitar, like the and the the tuning pegs and stuff. That that stuff gets loose all oh, the time. For and sure, you can like tighten that and the and the output jack on the guitar. That like if you like have someone like those will come loose all the time. And it, there's a you know there's so many different sizes that you can tighten so much stuff on the guitar with that. Yeah, the the ten millimeter and the the quarter inch uh, have quarter inch tightener are super duper handy the, yeah. every time i try to use one of the ones on the side i just like can't get a fucking angle on it. It. yeah yeah <laughs> yeah yeah that too but uh yeah i music nomads doing fun stuff i just saw all the new uh the fret care line yeah. they're putting out i saw that yeah i saw that yeah i was all- yeah see it's it's interesting stuff I, they're, they're fun guys i was talking to sweet tea about those because i think i think uh if you know Justin Perez at all, but he was talking about, um, I'll give him a shout out here. The, uh, the, the, the level bar or the, uh, the giant, uh, fret protectors or which one it was. It's, it's the new one. It's the one that like you literally just place on the neck and it, it like, you can just polish all, all the, all the frets on it. You know what I'm talking about? Like, oh yeah. 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 yeah the, the, the big metal plate with the rubber bands on the back. So it's, it's great for like buffing wheels and things like that. Yeah, exactly. Um, the, the only thing that I struggle with is its ability to travel. Yeah. Yeah. I would, yeah, I would never use that on the road. Yeah. That's, that was exactly my thought. Um, that whole line of things is like, I can't fit that anywhere. <laughs> well, and, and even that, yeah. yeah and uh, especially like if you have multiple guitar players that use multiple scales and stuff like that, you're going to have to bring multiples. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's fantastic if you have a shop and like you're doing a lot of buffing and or and like fret uh, like fret work like that because you you still can't get a file over it to do like recrownings and stuff. So it's like just for cleaning. Uh, but if you're doing a high volume of that, it's fantastic. 
but yeah, for everything they do have the smaller like ones that you can easily yeah. fit. I have the, those. That's the one I have. The one that comes with the the frying stuff, just to like yeah, you know, hand pan polish and just like the frying the little frying. Uh, I guess the frying is like the actual polish that you put on there, and then the little protectors, and then just a bunch of elbow grease. Just, going to town yeah I'm, I'm, most of the guitars i ever get are either rosewood or ebony so i can just gorgamite right on the neck and then oil clean and then everything's all good no black stuff on the fingers and uh <laughs> yeah, if, yeah. If, I, if i ever have maple those are i always keep those around just in case and i hear people talking about gorgamite all the time but i've never actually used it oh you do it it's awesome is it gorgamite rule uh, that and fret butter are like the two things I always keep around. Fret butter is fucking awesome too. Yeah, it's just this like little like piece of cloth, uh, and it's got uh, you know a solution in it to like clean and polish frets. And you just like without having any extra, you know, you don't have to carry uh, any extra cleaners or stuff for the fretboard. It's just it's all in this one. It's like so a polishing so it's cloth. Just like the polishing cloth. Yeah, yeah, that's ready to go. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it has break. like the the chemical in it already, and you can like break off a piece and just go like through all the frets. Yeah, the, the miracle polishing cloth they sell on uh, Stumac. That's like the another version of it has like coconut oil in it too for the for the fretboard. And yeah, there's there's a few different things of it. And the fret butter, I think it's DMI Guitar Labs is uh it's they they have a similar thing, but uh. Max, the uh, stage left ghost tech, showed me fret butter, and I was using Gorgamite, and his were just a little bit shinier, and it made me furious. <laughs> <laughs> I was so goddamn mad. <laughs> I would come to him every day, like, I tried it this way. Steel wool, frying polish, Gorgamite, frying polish, check, and it'd just be, like, a little bit shinier. I was like, I'm going to punch you in the throat. God damn it. <laughs> Man, that's, that's outstanding. What's your favorite thing about touring, and what's your least favorite thing about touring? Um, favorite thing about touring, uh, is that, like I mentioned earlier, my brain just kind of works in that way where this job makes sense. If you described it like just bare facts to somebody, like you stay on a bus with 10 to 11 other, usually men, smelly men for four to five to six to seven weeks straight. And then you usually work about, you know, maybe 10 to 14 hours a day uh sometimes many days in a row and uh you don't get to see your loved ones for a very long time this is like why the hell would anybody do that but then you know you get out there you're among like-minded people people with the same kind of you know whatever brain fuckery that makes that viable to them and everyone's passionate about what they do everyone is there for the same reason to put on you know a great show and just make the kids happy and uh it's it's you know, and just, yeah, having that kind of solidarity around people and working with, especially if you're lucky enough to work for artists that you enjoy, it's uh, a special kind of thing. And um, then the worst part of it now, uh, uh, before, uh, like, like beginning of last year and for a long time before that, I, I was not in a great relationship. So just going on the road was like, sick, get to go away from the lady time off and then <laughs> everyone else is like oh yeah my wife's a bitch too but i was like no this is mine's actually terrible uh but now i, I have a girlfriend that i genuinely fucking love and oh. we just got a puppy and, and uh so being away from that is not easy um but she's very understanding and she's very awesome about it she knows that i love it and it's uh and she loves metal too so she uh, gets to come to the shows and have a good time so but yeah it has its ups and its downs, but luckily, usually the uh, the upsides outweigh the downsides. Yeah, for sure. I had I, I actually I had a, a talk with Adam from Nonpoint about this at one point, and it was just like he 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 essentially said like it just takes a special partner to have at home that understands what you do for a living and is okay with it, and yeah. like to have somebody like that, like it's it's something worth holding on to. But even then, like, yeah, just hanging out with the homies all day. Like, that's that's the shit I love. Like, that's part of that's that's part of why I really enjoy doing this podcast. It's just fucking hanging out with the homies for an hour, you know? Yeah. People ask all the time. It's like you hang out with them every day, though. Yeah. Like, don't you get 
as you get sick of it, you're like, you see them for a month straight and then you're off for a month and you see them for another month. And it's like, well, that's, that's the great thing about it. But uh, especially like teams like the Gojira guys who don't really like got cycle through a lot of people, you know, they found people that are good hangs and good at what they do. And uh, yeah, there's nobody really on the bus. That's like a, a bummer to be around, you know, it's kind of part, like a big part of any gig is just being a good hang. If you're not a good hang, but you're fantastic, you have a, lesser shot of keeping a gig than somebody who's not as technically proficient that you is a better. Yeah, for sure. And I think we've definitely talked about this before, but essentially like that being a good person and being a better hang quote unquote is almost more important than being technically proficient because you know, you can, mm-hmm. you can teach anybody the job. That's no problem. But you, if you're an asshole, most of the people on a tour won't want to tour with you. 100% like yeah if you're being locked on a tin can with somebody for seven weeks straight like you, you'd rather show them a few things you know obviously if they're a boring and horrible at it you know that's one thing but if you gotta show them a couple things but they're still fun to be around like I, I started I started with Gojira when I was 26 you know in 2021 and uh, they nobody knew how old it was <laughs> I always keep that to myself until at least halfway through the tour and when somebody asks and then, you know, so they don't immediately hate me, but, uh, yeah, we all, we all had fun right off the bat and it was great. And, uh, yeah, it was, you know, it was be, be not asshole. And I'm assuming Jose, you concur. Yeah. Yeah. No, I definitely do. That's, that's like, uh, you know, we talked like maybe episode one or two, we talked about that and yeah, it's, you know, that's, that's the bit, that's the big one. Like, uh, that's how you keep the gigs like it's like just be be a good person <laughs> like yeah yeah you, you can be like the actual best at your job if everyone on the bus hates you i mean like no one's gonna want to bring you back 100 yeah yeah for sure all right uh fellas do you have anything else that you'd like to cover uh thank you guys so much for having me uh, on and i think this is a great idea dude, our pleasure and uh, i know jose you guys especially have a uh, highlight on the mental health for guys on the road and everything like that. So I know that's important and appreciated. Fuck yeah. And yeah, so thank you. So much. You mentioned now, yeah, since you mentioned that, like, is there any, like, uh, anything in that aspect you want to talk about? Uh, mental health side of as, uh, I mean, I guess like a good, good thing to do, like, maybe like ask you a question, like, uh, is there anything you do to like stay level headed when on the road for a long time? Um, well, not drink as much as I want to is important. Um, and uh, I'm, I'm diagnosed uh, bipolar depressed since I was a kid. Oh, wow. And uh, I like, I'm, I'm kind of best on the road, you know, because your brain's always working. You're dealing with new things every day. You're problem solving on a daily basis. And uh, I'm like, like the pretty positive guy you know, yeah. when, I, when I'm out there and all around, it's like, it's made me a lot happier and healthier of a person, but it definitely takes, takes it out of you super hard. That's why like on days off, it's super important to actually like recharge and get some space and get, get your head back together. And uh, even, but the, the weird thing is when you get home, you kind of get that post tour little like slump. Yeah, uh, you know, you just got you just got to learn yourself and figure out what you got to do. Whether you know it's getting up and going for walks or exercising when you get back from the road, or you know, just resting, whatever you got to do, whatever you got to do on the road to keep yourself healthy. But like I said, it's, my brain just works in that kind of way where you know, chemically, it's not great on its own, but you know, you you find something that, that works and helps, and uh, you you do it. Yeah, absolutely, and I. I I don't know if this is the healthiest way, but uh, I'll, I'll share with you guys. Like, basically, as soon as I get off the road, I don't even take time off from the, the non-touring job. I just go, like, I'll look at my schedule. And I'll be like, okay, my plane leave, my plane lands the 22nd. I'm back to work on the 23rd. It's, oh, I would love to do that. Yeah. See, I, not me. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I need the space. Like, uh, if I, I mean, if I'm if the break between tours is longer than like three weeks, then I, you know, that's when I have to like start considering a few things just because at that point it becomes a money thing. Uh, cause I like, I still need to, 
I don't pay rent, but I still need to pay for my Airbnb. <laughs> right. Uh, but yeah, like if it's just two, three weeks, I'm, I, you know, that's time where I like, I'll go on walks and I'll do stuff. I enjoy, I'll, you know, that's when I start like writing music and playing guitar and messing around with my own gear and just do my own thing, uh, during that time. Uh, cause yeah, the, the job does for me, it takes it out of me like pretty, pretty seriously. Yeah. If, if I come back and I don't have anything to do, I am, I'm too good at relaxing. Like I can, I can stay in bed watching family guy all day and not have an issue with it and just like be totally fine. So if I go from like 100 to zero real quick like that, nothing to do at home, then I can just, I, I can just get into a groove of absolutely fucking nothing. And uh, so I'm, I'm, that's something that I'm actually working on uh, yeah. is, is like actually getting up and, and doing shit, playing guitar, you know, going out for walks. Cause I've, I've, I've got some less poles that I haven't touched in a while. Okay. That, okay. And you're going to be in Austin now. <laughs> yes, sir. Fuck so yeah. maybe maybe we we start playing some guitar together. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Oh shit! Is there a new band that's about to form? I don't know about that, but <laughs> there will be some fun had. Some fun will be had. <laughs> fun will be had for sure. No, no, I, there's, a, there's a bunch of. I know somebody I can get beats from right now in Austin. Let's go, baby. <laughs> oh, yeah. Is it Greg? It's Greg. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Lo-fi, lo-fi death metal. <laughs> Greg Dubs. I was, dude. I was about to say. I'm glad that you both knew who it was. Is it Greg? It's Greg. <laughs> yeah, when he said, yeah, when he said beats, and then in Austin, I knew exactly who that was. Yeah, his, his Instagram name is Greg Dubs. So yeah, it's <laughs> wait, that's his yeah, real like, name. No, Greg oh, okay. Dubinowski. Okay. Yeah, yeah he's, he's Deftones, Def Heaven, and Mastodon. Oh fuck yeah. yeah! He did Periphery for a while. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, he used to do issues, I think, or did like maybe a tour with issues. Yeah, Greg's all sick. Yeah, he's good. Looking forward to that. He's another homie down there. Fuck yeah, that's 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 so sick. Yeah, and uh, going back to the mental health thing because it's something that Jose and I are just extremely passionate about, and it's it's definitely good to hear that you have a system that works for you, and that's that's something that I highly recommend to everybody. You know. Because I, I I've I have a system that works for me. It's having my hour of fuck off time every day where rate like I literally radio Darren off grid for the next forty five minutes and then like I just shut off my radio and like that's just that's my thing. I can't be contacted and you know, if if there's a real emergency or something like that, you can text me, whatever. But like, you know, I just and, and yeah. I also have my weekly therapy sessions that I I keep up with on the road and you know, it's it's to to me it's everything in balance you want to be able to balance your work with your leisure time with your relaxing time you know whatever it is you got to do and understanding that the jobs that we work they're they're they can be six seven days a week 12 hours a day whatever it is um and it's 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 a matter of just finding balance and what works for you uh what works for me might not work for jose and what works for Jose might not work for Jai. So, I mean, it's just a matter of finding what works for you. Yeah. I, I uh, have off-grid time, too, but it's naps, and I take too many. It's got to... I enjoy my naps as well, but, you, you know. If you've ever seen When Gojira's on tour on Roadie Sleeping, it's, like, pretty much just... It's, like, it's a lot of me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I've seen, I've seen those. <laughs> uh, anybody have any final thoughts or anything? No, no, I guess not. <laughs> just, just, just hand gestures, which works perfectly for an audio format. <laughs> yeah, we just yeah, did hand uh, gestures. <laughs> you said you edit around the bullshit, doggy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, edit in some hand gestures and like yeah. an audio ver- like version of them. <laughs> yeah, Jai gives shock us. God damn it! I'll have, to, <laughs> I'll have to figure that out. But uh, anyways, Jai, it's been wonderful having you on. Uh, I'm sure I'll see you around at some point. And Jose, I'll see you around as well. Yeah, I'll see, see both of y'all around. And yeah, I guess like <laughs> I'll see you in Austin at some point. Fuck yeah. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, we'll 100% see each other during festival season. So it's, it's been yeah. great, guys. Thank you. Fuck yeah. You guys take care of yourselves, all right? 
Thank you for listening to the Roadie Friday Podcast. Have a question or an idea? Email us at roadiefridaypod at gmail.com. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode. Theme music by Ricky Armelino. Editing and production by Darren Makins. 